On tour number 37 of Disney Conversations, your tour guides Matthew and Mindy discuss Disney at the movies. We talk about many of the classic movies that the Walt Disney Company released during Walt's life, and we also talk some about the influences and impressions that were left behind. We're so glad that you've chosen to join us again for the week of January 23rd, 2022. Welcome aboard. Welcome to Disney Conversations with your tour guides, Magical Matthew Wallace and Mindy Mira. Join them as they talk about everything Disney. Disney Conversations is proudly brought to you by Magical Matthew Travel. Contact them today at magical underscore Matthew at Outlook.com for your free no-obligation quote to Disneyland, Walt Disney World, Disney Cruise Lines, Adventures by Disney, or Alani, a Disney resort and spa in Ka'olina, Hawaii. Okay, tourists, let's get on with this week's show. This Disney Conversations tour is going to look at Disney at the movies. And today we want to specifically look at the movies that Walt Disney had hands on in either the concept or the development of these movies. And some of them are going to be quite familiar to everybody. I suspect there's going to be a few that might be more obscure. And for me, I know there's at least one that many of you may not even know of, but I enjoy it. I love it. It's a great movie. Good music. Nice casting. <clears throat> uses a little imagination. So I can't wait to share that a little later on. But joining me today, as always, is the lovely Mindy Muir. Hello, Mindy. How's your week going so far? Unbelievable. So it's been good, Matt. I've like had so much time to be able to just, oh, just sit and do what I want to do for the week. <laughs> do stuff that I, I don't have to put, you know, for work and work on my house and just sleep. I didn't get out of my PJs for a whole day. It was great. I'm jealous. <laughs> Number one, because the PJs that I spent 75 bucks on at Disney World, the pants are starting to rip out in one of the seams. Uh-oh, send and them to me. I'll fix them for you on my vintage sewing machine. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, I'm, I might do that because it's a type of material I'm not familiar with. Oh, yeah. And send them to me. I'm happy it's, to, it's to real happy okay. fix them. I just thought today we'd take a look at some of the movies that we know Walt Disney had his hands on. I mean, let's face it. We're all familiar with the quote that it all started with a mouse. But Walt did Disney's, it really? <laughs> well, that's what Walt says. We're all familiar with a lot of the movies. And I remember myself as a kid, Disney Studios would re-release many of these movies every four or five years. Right. You know, and and I got to see some of these in the theater, even though they have been out for 40, 50, 60 plus years. Right. And I enjoyed them in the theater. I did too. I remember seeing Snow White in the theater when they re-released it. I was like, this is so cool. And it's like you're reading my mind because that's where we're starting. Oh, good. See, we're on the same so, wavelength today, Matthew. So Snow White was Disney's first feature animated movie. Correct. It was released in December of 1937. I believe a lot of people thought it was going to be Walt's folly, that it was going to 
tear the company apart because it took so long from concept to development. But I loved this movie, and I think it still plays well today, don't you? I do. I agree with that. And Brenna and I had had this conversation just yesterday. We had watched several you know, features about Walt Disney himself and how innovative he was and kind of going off that vein, why people thought it was going to be a folly. Nobody believed in what Walt could do. Walt is one of those guys that's up there with, you know, these amazing people um, that invent things today. You've got, you know, Jeff Bezos, who's Amazon, yeah. or what's his name? The oh my gosh, brain brain's not working for Tesla. Anyway, so Elon Musk. <laughs> Elon Musk, he's up there. That's where Walt is. And things that people were like, oh my gosh, he was an innovator. So he invented things that hadn't ever happened before. Right. Putting audio with a cartoon was unheard of. When Steamboat Willie had come out, he invented that. The lines, that film was worldwide. The lines were out the door. People were seeing it seven, ten times. They were going to see this amazing, jaw-dropping little short film. Mm -hmm. And then so Snow White comes out, and they're like, okay, what the heck? This guy's going to come out with a full feature film. He's insane. Like, this is going to flop. They had bad press about this, and Walt had mortgaged everything. He took his money out of his life insurance. He had you know, put a lien on his house. He mortgaged his house and threw all the money he could at it. People didn't believe in it and people didn't know what he saw. He knew it was going to be good. And what ended up happening was people cried. So, you know, when the seven drawers, I don't, I didn't cry at Snow White. Maybe it's a different era, <laughs> but people were literally feeling something from seeing snow white in the theater and he he stopped and the story goes he looks around and he goes we did it every when people cried that's when he knew i hit the jackpot right well and as i recall snow white had a, putting things together for it all the different levels of animation is what caused him to create the multi-plane camera because the only way he could capture it the way he wanted it because back then they didn't have 3d glasses so he right. wanted to make it as close to 3d as he could and they would shoot different scenes on these different levels and then basically if i understand correctly kind of sandwich them together to make the right. final shots so it's like a seven layer machine and they put the first cell on the bottom, then the second cell, third cell, fourth cell, so to speak. Right. And they move like the cameras up at the top, looking down through these clear cells, mm -hmm. but there's paintings on each one. So if you think about that and our listeners don't know what that is, like you said, and it sandwiches it together, but the camera, so they'll move the top layer towards the camera, the second layer towards the camera, and it just sandwiches down. But that effect makes it look you're going through the right. video. One thing that I specifically remember, this going, how did they do that? Mm -hmm. I was 14 years old when we went to the theater, and I'll never forget it, and we watched Beauty and the Beast. 
And I was sitting there and that opening scene when they go through, they use the multi-plane camera right. and they go through and it zooms into the castle. My mind, I just sat there and go, how did they do that? Mm. How did they make it look like that? Not understanding what the, the camera was. But now you look back and it's amazing, like you said, what they do with that. And if our listeners want to see one of those multi-plane cameras, it's still on display at Walt Disney World or Hollywood Studios at the One Man's Dream Pavilion. My favorite attraction and in all Disney. I agree. I like spending time in there. I have actually been through there a couple of times and I take time to read the descriptions mm-hmm. or, you know, and they've got the replica of Walt's office there. I love it. Which is, it gives me which, yeah, I, I, I love everything about that. I think people are missing something by not taking a moment to go in there and see who this man, Walt Disney was. And when they present it, watch the film. Right. It oh really, yeah. Really does a great job at explaining number one, what some of that stuff you see in the lobby area is, and you get an understanding of who Walt Disney was and the dreamer, the dreamer that lived inside of him. Right. And you know, he works to encourage all of us to dream and to be brave enough to chase after those dreams. And snow white is an example of what happens when you do that. He came up with the concept He helped with the animation. They put all the pieces together. And as a result, it won Academy Awards. Not necessarily for Best Picture, but it had a lot of awards. A lot of the awards were for the technical aspects of that movie. And I think Walt Disney had a real kick out of it because Shirley Temple was the young lady who presented them to him. I think that would be kind of cool. I was just about to say that. Now, on the opposite side of that, when she did there's a short video of him saying isn't it lovely mr disney (laughs) and he's like well it sure is he was given that not as a winner but almost as a consolation prize right and it is true that he felt like oh well here we go again they don't think i'm good enough to compete against a real film So it actually hurt his feelings, so to speak, that they had done that. But he was grateful. He still had them displayed in his office as well as he should have. But because they were miniature little ones. So for all the seven drawers, he had little mini um, golden, you know, statues. And he did win other ones. That was not the only one, but that was his first one. And he was just like, oh, well, thanks. But. That's kind of a slap in the face, but he was grateful on the upside. Yeah. And he was very gracious about it too. I, exactly. And you have to think about it. I mean, I was looking real quick and it looks like the budget for making the film was just short of one and a half million dollars. Oh yeah. And the box very office. And I don't know, I don't know if this is a cumulative up to this point or if this was the initial take, but the box office is $418 million. That's yeah. not a bad return. I don't think that's up to this point. I'm sure it's made so much money. And then dollar-wise, that is unheard of income. And Walt was able to take that money and turn it around and build on the site where the current Disney Studios lies. 
right. and was able to move on to doing other movies. Yes. So I'm just going to give a, a quick look at a few of them. Uh, we got Pinocchio. We've got The Reluctant Dragon, Dumbo, Bambi, and Fantasia. Let's talk about those a little bit. Okay. First of all, I'm going to start with Fantasia. Ooh, good one. Because, again, here's Walt, who had this dream, this concept of introducing something in film that had a classical feel to it. It was one of the first time. I think it was the first time, they worked in a little bit of real people in pictures with animation. Because, you know, it goes back and forth between the orchestra and the director doing the music. And then, say, like Sorcerer's Apprentice comes up and that's animated. So they really wove together a lot. Of that. And then the soundtrack, one of the best soundtracks in a movie I've ever heard. And I still enjoy this movie today. It's great. Uh, there's so many facts about this film. You know, it is award winning, but they use something called Fantasound. It was a Fantasound system. And they used nine sound cameras to capture this orchestra. So it wasn't just one, but it was in 1939. And the, the, I think it was Philadelphia's Academy of Music did it. And they recorded it with nine sound cameras. So they made sure that every little sound was picked up. And that's why it's such a good soundtrack. Right. And I really, I really enjoyed the movie. When they finally did put it out on video, they enhanced the sound even more. And I love filling my living room with that. <laughs> I really do. Right. You know, and then here we got Pinocchio, a puppet yeah. made of strings who's allowed to come to life for a little bit. I love the way Walt Disney would, would think things up. You know, we yeah. all, I think Pinocchio might be kind of a symbol of how we can change in our walk through life. I mean, just in the short time that we had Pinocchio here, we got a, a wooden boy who wants to be real. And on his trip to find that reality he gets drawn away by things that aren't so good for him gee does yeah. that sound like real life or what so a little little tidbit fact about that is in the movie remember figaro the cat yes Walt loved figaro so much that he actually wanted him to be more in the film so he pushed him to be more and then when the film was done if you didn't realize this, now you guys will know that it actually, Figaro ended up becoming, so Minnie Mouse had a cat in a lot of her films, and it was Figaro. The cat was, mm. no, no, Figaro. Well, that was Figaro from Pinocchio. So she got the kitty, so to speak. <laughs> and uh, so he, he lives on with Minnie Mouse. Because she used to have a Cocker Spaniel dog, got replaced with Figaro. So. Okay. Minnie Mouse's cat is Figaro because Walt loved him so much. And it took so long to get Pinocchio just right. 12 artists, 18 months. I remember that, that fact, you know, as far as making him a human boy. Right. It took so long to figure out, like, adding the puppets and the joints and the screws to design him. They made a real one and go, okay, how can we make him look more like a boy? Right. Ah. Uh, 
So again, another another really good story, and and that brings us back to the fact that with Disney, everything had to have a story, and the story had to make sense. Right. Um, I, I I can't even begin to imagine how many projects might have crossed his desk, and he's like, "There's no story here. No, we're not doing it." <laughs> you know, he he had a standard, and I believe that he held to that standard in every film they made. I'm thankful for that. You know, you got Dumbo. What can you say about Dumbo? It was an amazing, amazing movie for the time that it was put out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Dumbo was a great film. And that one, that did pull at your heartstrings. Man, oh, man, did people cry when the baby got taken away from mama. I get tears in my eyes just listening to baby mine. Right. When it comes on. So, yeah. It's hard for me to even watch that now because mm-hmm. as far as animals go, we get, we as humans, you know, dogs are our best, man's best friend. And right. it's true. And there's something about feeling for animals because they're, they're helpless. They're innocent. And here's little innocent Dumbo being taken away from his mom. Right. It, it's, it's pretty heart, heart wrenching to see that. And then you go into Bambi and again, yeah. I like how Bambi makes friends with everybody, including Flower. That's <laughs> right. kind of that kind of lets me know that everybody has value, regardless of what we might see or think. Right. Yep. Exactly. So that came out in 1942, if I am I if I'm correct. Yes. And it's one of those films that's based off animals, but you can relate to them. It's such a beautiful, beautiful film. It was actually a book first, and then they they turned it into a film. It was, you know, Bambi. He had worked off kind of the true life adventures films from it and Mm -hmm. pulled from there. So there was one that he did about deer and their babies. And he thought, oh, this would make a great film. Oh, here's this book. Let's turn it into an adaptation of that. So, you know, as far as Disney goes... Bambi was one of those films that pulled at your heartstrings too. And I know Walt loved Bambi. It was a great film for him to come out with. So we're going to move ahead a little bit and I'm going to talk about a movie that a lot of people don't talk about. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk about it for the reason everybody else is talking about. Okay. Song of the South. You're not allowed to see it anymore. You know, we can't buy it here in the U S I did just buy it though. I got it for Christmas presents. I got um, like seven of them. It was great. And I, I and I understand, you know, the trying to word this in a I don't know exactly politically correct version of Song of the South. <laughs> I, I suppose that's it. Yeah. But I remember seeing this movie as a kid, and I didn't have any thoughts in my head about the situation, you know, that was going well, on in that. I just enjoyed the movie for what it was. It had a really right. cute story. It had well, fabulous it's music. Culture. It's cancel. Sorry to interrupt. It's cancel yeah. culture. Yeah. I don't want to get <laughs> political about it. I just, I just, nope. I'm just saying I love this movie for the music. Yep. And sidebar, I do not agree with the revamping of Splash Mountain because <laughs> Splash Mountain is just the, the animal characters. And I like the story that that portrays. It's fun. But you're going off that same platform again. It, it's not even on Disney Plus. You can't watch it. It's it's the most controversial film Disney's ever come out with. 
they kind of thought, well, you know, put put our head in the sand. We didn't do it. It doesn't exist, even though we know it does. Yeah. And kids will go on their attraction and be like, what film is this from? <laughs> you know, unless you know, you don't know. Right. And that it's just a ride. That's all it is. It's an attraction. They don't realize it's from a film. Yeah. And there have been subsequent books and stuff out just about Br'er Bear, Br'er Rabbit. He got an Oscar. The guy who played um, his Uncle Remus got an Oscar for it. James Baskett. I love his singing voice. Such a strong baritone. I love that (laughs) voice. And maybe that's what I'm remembering from it is is I just, I loved his his singing. I enjoyed the music immensely. And that's what I remember most out of the movie. Right. Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Ooh, that's a great one. I didn't know Walt did that. I didn't know Walt did that one. Yeah, 1949. So he still had his hand in it, whether or not it was fully his. But, you know, he had his hand in everything. Wow. We know that Mr. Toad had a wild ride. Yes, he did. And you can still ride that wild ride at Disneyland. Yep. Can't do it at Disney World, though. <laughs> not anymore. It was replaced. Where, that's where... Um, I believe the, that's uh, where... Is Winnie the Pooh Winnie attraction the Pooh, is, think. right? Yeah, I think it's Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. Kind of a patriotic twist to the Ichabod side of it. I right. Yeah. And then the Mr. Toad is kind of more of a fantasy part, but I'm going to have to go back and rewatch that because I actually don't remember much of it now. It's been so long. But I do remember that when I watched it, I, I enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah. I did. Okay. Now we move on to what I think is the next blockbuster, and that is Cinderella. Great one. Obviously, we got Cinderella's Castle at Walt Disney World. You're right. Um, it was it was a really good movie. I okay. I'm a sappy kind of guy. I like love stories. <laughs> I always wanted to be the that prince, and, and it does have one of the best, you know, the the greatest soundtracks of Disney movies. That soundtrack yes, is it amazing. does very much so. I believe that that's one of my daughter's favorites. Yeah, A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes yeah. went and got so many awards. And it was on the radio all the time. That song played so often and people loved it. And it's still a huge Disney song. You hear it a lot. It is. It's and Disney. I'll tell you what, they could put that movie out again today and I bet you I bet you they'd flock to the theaters the kids would. Right. I think Definitely. that's one of those timeless classics. It never goes out of style. Right. We got Alice in Wonderland. Good one. I, I've always enjoyed that one as well. I have to say, I, I think the, I think the rabbit's my favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> that one, still today, it's a little kooky. Like you watch it and you think, what is this about? <laughs> but it's a great film, and I love watching it because who doesn't love Alice? She's one of my favorite characters. Her and mad hatter that run around it the parks yes. the characters are just fun and so cool yeah but they're based off that film and the film is walt walt knew something we didn't because it's a great one he sure did and then you got peter pan again a really fun movie what kid doesn't at some point wish they could be somewhere other than home someplace <laughs> where all you had to do was go out and have fun all day long and play pretend I mean, that's Peter Pan pretty much in a nutshell, I think. Yeah, and being a lost boy. Every kid wanted to be a lost boy. <laughs> I tried to get lost a couple of times. 
<laughs> it wasn't very successful. And everybody loves Tinkerbell. She's kind of become the Disney icon slash, you know, she's our little ambassador. She's on everything yeah, with she Disney. Is. Yeah. And they always seem to get sassy ones in the parades in the parks. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Actually, I, I kind of like that because I could see <laughs> I could see Tinkerbell being a little sassy about things. Yeah, she is too. One of my favorite movies. We have a classic movie series here in town every year. And about every four or five years, they snag this one. And I always go see it because this movie on the big screen is worth it. From 1954, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Okay, you want to hear a confession? You've never never seen seen that one. No. (laughs) In fact, I was just looking. You gave me this topic, and I kind of had browsed through some films. I was like, you know, I really need to watch that. I haven't seen it. So, actually, I'll probably watch that today when we get off. It's something I got to do some tagging and get some work done. So I thought, you know what? 20,000 Leagues is on my list today. So is it on Disney Plus? I, I think it is. I'm pretty okay. sure it is. I think I watched it there uh, recently. But, I mean, the cast in this movie. Tell me about it. Is fabulous. They've got, I'm trying to look it up real real quick to see because I don't want to get their names wrong. Uh, Kirk Douglas, for sure, I know is in it. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. He was a very young Kirk Douglas, <laughs> complete with the chin and and all that. And give me just a second here. I do know that inside of Disneyland's Haunted Mansion, the organ that you go through when you're, you yes. turn and you see the dancing scene, mm-hmm. that organ is from that film. It is. It's right off the sub. Um, James Mason played Captain Nemo. Okay. Peter Laurie is in it. And a gentleman named Paul Lucas, who back in the 40s and 50s, he was a fairly well-known actor, a character actor, if I recall correctly. So he did a lot of little bit parts, and I couldn't tell you right off the top of my head what they all are. But those are the, the, the four main characters. Kirk Douglas plays Ned Land, James Mason, Captain Nemo. Paul Lucas is Pierre Aranex. And Peter Laurie plays, I think it's pronounced Conceal. I mean, it was a really good plot movie. It was There was some war issues involved. There were some politics that, that showed up in it. Uh, you know, it's, it's generally a movie about right and wrong and, and a certain person choosing a different way to uh, provide the justice for the, the wrong. Again, a fun movie. The Nautilus was a very uniquely shaped submarine in this movie. I actually remember the first time I saw it in the theater when the Nautilus first shows up. I got a little scared at first because I wasn't too sure before I knew what it was. You know, and I was just a little dude. I might have been maybe five, six years old when I saw it the first time. (laughs) But my dad made sure, you know, in the little town I grew up in, my dad made sure that we went to see that one. I think that was one of his favorites as well. So, yeah, you get a chance Watch that one, because I think you'll enjoy that. Yeah, for sure. So, okay, I'm going to jump ahead a good bit. Lady and the Tramp. I think that was one of Walt's favorites when they put it together. I've seen it once. I was really little, but I I think I could probably identify with Tramp a little bit, because Tramp was treated kind of like an outsider, and I've, I've been treated that way when I was a kid, so 
I kind of understood, I think, where he was at that point. Oh, tearjerker alert, old yeller. Good one. That's a great one. You know, as far as as far as far uh, action films, that that's, a, that's the end. That will make sure you got your box of tissues next to you because you will cry. <laughs> um, like I said, man, you know, dog is man's best friend. Right. I have two dogs myself. I had to put my little baby down after 14 years on my birthday. So that was rough, but he was my little sidekick and (laughs) watching old yeller is hard for me. It's hard for me to watch any movies about dogs or animals and I just love them. And old yeller grows on you. And he's just one of those dogs that you just fall in love with. And he's so sweet and kind. Yep. I no longer have a dog. I wish I did. I, I miss the puppy love. Right. Yeah. Sometimes I need a little dog therapy. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So, um, nineteen fifty nine, we get Sleeping Beauty. Love it again. Just a mastery of animation. You really get to see that multiplane camera in action in these types of movies. You can tell they spend a lot of time drawing the cells and putting them together and making sure again that there's a story. Um, that goes with it. Um, I have a, a young lady friend that I've known since she was, I don't know, two, three years old, and she loves Aurora. In fact, she named her daughter Aurora because she loves Sleeping Beauty so much. It's a really good story, and I really enjoy it. It is a great one, and it has its own castle, so you can't forget that. <laughs> yes, and that one's at Disneyland, folks, if you want to see it. Make sure you get it right. Disneyland has Sleeping Beauty. Disney World has Cinderella. Exactly. There's your castle lesson for the day. (laughs) Also in 1959, one of my favorite movies, The Shaggy Dog. Ooh, good one. And this may be one of those that's a little more, eh, a little more obscure for some. They did a remake some years ago with a more modern actor, little known guy named Tim Allen. You know, the, The Shaggy Dog I liked it. It was a hilarious movie. <laughs> That's true. And it's got a it's got a really good cast. I mean, Fred McMurray is in the lead. You got Tommy Kirk, Annette Funicello, Tim Considine, all on there. And if I remember correctly, they were all Musketeers. You got yep. Kevin Corcoran, who did a lot of Disney movies in his younger days. You might remember him as Toby Tyler. Yeah. This movie did not have a slouch cast in it. It was really, really well put together. I'm looking through. There's a lot of names there. Yeah. Lots of names, huh? Yeah. And the thing is, that's the other thing. Walt Disney had a way of getting people who had somewhat larger names, but they would would come work for him because they liked working for Walt. Exactly. He was really good at masterminding getting the great ones together. Right. He was kind of the of film. He 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 was a great leader, and his brother took care of the business side of it because he wasn't so good at that. But he was he he had a vision, and he knew what he wanted. And he said, "These are the people that I need to construct my vision." So he would go find the best of the best and say, "This is what I'm thinking, guys. Go go and do." And you know, that's how Disneyland was built. But he also did his films that way. This is what I see you go and do. And he found the best of the best to do it. He was just a great people finder. These films he worked on, 
it's the same same idea. He said, these are the things I want to accomplish with this film. And, and they knocked it out of the park every time. Even if people didn't believe in him. Oh, that's going to flop. That's going to flop. Nope. I'm staying true to my vision. Right. And he would hit the nail on the head over and over and over again. Don't you wish you were a fly on the wall for some of those conversations between Walt and Roy? Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> what? Seriously, what a great, what a great thing. If I understand it correctly, Walt basically just said, Roy, this is what I want to do. Your job is to figure out how we get it done. Yep. And yep. I've heard several Imagineers over the years say that Walt never heard the word no, never heard the words can't be done. You can say him, but he'll never hear him. <laughs> that's you know, the truth. Walt would basically tell people what to do and they'd say, okay, we'll get it done. And that goes along with what you were saying. He's getting the right people together to do these different jobs. Yeah. So, all right. Now we're going to talk about the movie that I like, that I think is a hidden gem that probably not a ton of people have seen. I don't know how well it did in the theaters, but I watch it almost, I watch it every St. Patrick's Day. Oh. Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Yes. <laughs> That's a great one. Okay, first of all, can you say the words Sean Connery? <laughs> when I saw, when I realized who he was years after I saw the movie, I almost fell out of my chair because, you know, I saw my first James Bond movie. And then yeah. I saw Darby O'Gill after that. I'm like, that's James Bond. What's he doing there? But it was a really good cast. Not a lot of well-known people that, that I'm aware of. Yeah. But man... You know, you're talking something that's got an Irish base to it. They're talking about leprechauns and the gold that the, that the leprechauns are hiding and the different abilities they have here and there. And again, the story was just fun. Yeah, it was. Lots and lots of fun. That was a great one. So I watch that every year at St. Patrick's Day because it seems kind of fitting to watch that every year at St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> yeah, that's a great St. Patrick's Day film to watch. So you've got your little people and all of the above. The fun one. Let's see another one of my favorites. Uh, and folks, this is not an exhaustive list by any means. These are some of the ones that we enjoy. You know, if we wanted to do every movie that Disney's done along the way, we'd need about three weeks to work through the top of the list. <laughs> Yeah, we'd but, have to start there and work our way down. Yeah. My next choice here is Pollyanna with a Ooh. young Haley Mills in the lead role. I think this was the first movie she did with Walt, but not the last. Okay. Was it the first one? Because I thought, um, well, maybe, yeah, because then Parent Trap came next. Right. Now, they may not have been filmed in the order they came out. Yeah, Pollyanna was actually released first. But right. again, you got to, you know, it's a... A young lady, her parents were missionaries. She didn't have a lot. She comes to stay with her aunt, who appears to have everything. And yeah. what a change of lifestyle she had to go through. Yeah, she did. She she And she loved Walt. She looked at him like an uncle. She's like, oh, my Uncle Walt. You know, she talked right. about him a lot. Yeah, she did. Uh, Swiss Family Robinson. One of my favorites. I thought so, so I'm going to let you talk about it a little bit. That one is one of my so it's it's one of my favorite films of all time and that one is literally my favorite movie that and mary poppins but i honestly think that one takes the cake as far as my favorite movie i actually watched it yesterday as well 
Um, I love it. What is there not to like about it? It still has the tree at Disney World, and you mm-hmm. can still go up it. <laughs> yeah. it It's one of those films that never gets old. And it, it's just a great one. It's about pirates and the fun, you know, aspect of pirates. But it's it's just a playful, fun film. And let me ask you this. Have you ever dreamed of just going, I want to live in that treehouse? Because I know I did. I thought, oh, man, what would it be like to sleep in that treehouse? Are you kidding? So, I'd go there now. The place That, that treehouse is bigger than my house. So, yeah, I'd go there in a heartbeat. <laughs> A great film, and it's it's one of my favorites. I just love it. I love it. I agree. It's a very good movie. Fred McMurray makes a return in The Absent-Minded Professor. Yeah. You got 101 Dalmatians, one of my favorites. I mean... That's a good one, too. Who doesn't like to hate Cruella DeVille? Hello. <laughs> right. And then one of your favorites, The Parent Trap. That, yep. That and... Of course, Swiss Family Robinson. Those are my favorite two live films. Mm-hmm. I watch them all the time, literally all the time. And there's once a, a week or so. There's a stretcher where there's a bunch of little little movies come out, most of which I don't know too many of, and I'm not sure exactly how much Walt had involved. But let's go ahead and jump ahead to the big one, Mary Poppins. <laughs> there's my girl. If you've seen Saving Mr. Banks, you kind of get a background on the Mary Poppins thing. But I guess he uh, he had quite a struggle to get the, the rights for that movie. He did. So Saving Mr. Banks, after it came out, I went to the film. I went to see that at the theater and I literally sat at the edge of my seat in this like like this, the whole film, like my hands up. I was glued to the to the screen the entire film. I didn't want it to end. Mm-hmm. It was one of the best movies I've ever seen. I had a top 10 movie favorite that got bumped into it's one of my favorite films of all time because it does talk about one of my favorite Disney movies. My favorite Disney character is Mary Poppins. I love her. <laughs> my daughter made me the umbrella for Christmas and the parrot to go on it. And wow, it's it's amazing. It's the coolest little uh little bird that she sculpted out of clay and it looks exactly like it. So this film, you know, saving Mr. Banks does talk about the, excuse my French, the crap he had to go through to get this film Mm -hmm. and done and ready. And it was not an easy feat. You know, PL Travers gave him, gave him a whole lot of serious run for his money backlash to get this film and the rights. You know, one thing that we did watch this yesterday and saving Mr. Banks, like I said, we kind of been watched binge watched a whole bunch of films about Disney and Walt yesterday. In fact, while I was painting and doing things around the house and there's a part of it. And I had asked a friend of mine, Michael Bowling, who is a kind of a Disney historian. Mm-hmm. I asked him about this and boy, oh boy, would I love to see it come to fruition. The part of the film where it, he, she's saying that house is not the house on cherry tree lane. That my house was a pink house with, you know, the, the windows are not right. Like she was complaining and it's on, it's on um, she, in the film. She says, I want this to be recorded. The whole thing recorded. Right. I want it on tape. You have to record me. I'm not going to do it unless you record me. I want all your voices on here to prove what I'm saying. 
So they made her, they, she made them tape this whole um, read through and script reading, but some of it is recorded. And you see, if you wait to the end of the film, the very, very end, after all the credits, they do play a two minute segment of it. And she literally, it was taken from that, that audio word for word and put into the film where she's like, my house is a pink house. And she's mad. And she says, that's not correct, you know, through this read through. But I asked him, I said, does that exist? Is there a place we could listen to that whole tape? Mm -hmm. Does not exist. It's tucked away in the Disney vault and nobody knows what else it says, which blows my mind because I would think they'd, I don't know, I would want to hear it. I want to hear it. I want to know what else she had to say about this. And, right. You know, because she didn't ever give the rights away to any other films. It was the only one. Uh, she didn't want to give it away at the beginning, P.L. Travers. She no. didn't want Walt to have it, but she was financially in ruins and she gave it up so she could keep her house. Right. Well, it's a great film, It's one of my yeah, favorites. Yeah, and, and I think it's a favorite for a lot of folks. I like to yeah. watch it every now and then. Mary Poppins Returns, just a side note, is okay. I'm a Julie Andrews fan anyways, so I'm sticking with the original. I'm not. I liked it, but it wasn't. It was not Mary Poppins to me. I only watched it a couple times. It didn't seem like it had the same flow. Not at all. I, I, I didn't care. I mean, they they couldn't get Julie Andrews to do it anyhow. Right. Um, you know, she wouldn't well, have been available. Said herself, she said she's perfect for it. Right. I had my day. Let her have hers. And she didn't want to be Mary Poppins again, even though I think it would have been cool had she cameoed in it. I think it was an okay movie for what it was. I don't think it had quite the story development that it really right. needed to have to pull it all together. Right. And I think for now, that's a good place to stop because everybody knows Mary. <laughs> that's right. That's a good one to stop at, too. Mary's the best. I have a costume, just to kind of go off this, that took me three years. So I'm all about costumes. And my thing is, if I don't, if I don't get mistaken as a cast member character, I didn't do my job good enough. And my Mary Poppins costume is so spot on, literally down to the berries on her hat, to the carpet bag and her shoes and her little compact disc, her mm -hmm. compact makeup. I have that compact, the exact replica. Bessemer Cosmetics made one. I bought it. It's exactly like the one she uses in the film mm -hmm. and the umbrella. My daughter just, I, that's the only thing I didn't have. I didn't, I, you can buy them from Broadway, the Broadway, but you know, I always wanted to make my own and my daughter did it for me. She gave it to me for Christmas. So now my Mary Poppins costume is complete. It's yeah. literally so spot on to hers in the film. Well, that's amazing. Yeah, I've I've seen bits and pieces of it, and you showed me the umbrella. <laughs> I think I think that's incredible. And you know, Mary, you. Mary Poppins is a very good character. I think it's a very positive movie overall, and I right. think it's a really good lesson to all of us. So I encourage everybody. You know, if you don't have Disney Plus, get Disney Plus because all these movies are on there, or if they're not yet, they will be. I want to finish today off with one thing. That we're going to start doing. And it's a Disney quote of the week. Ooh, I love that. And this week's quote is, All our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. 
That's one of my favorite quotes he says. And I have to admit that sometimes I'm not as courageous as I'd like to be. Doing this podcast is courageous for me because I'm putting myself out there <laughs> in ways I've never done before. And and I'm not getting any negative comments, but I'm not really getting a lot of anything so far. So, folks, we want to hear from you. Let us know what you think. And if there's a topic you want us to cover, if you've got a subject idea, if you got questions, that's what we're here for. So contact us at DisneyConversations at Outlook.com. And Mindy and I will be happy to go over these questions and we're going to answer them right here for you. For now, that's it. Mindy, thank you again. I love having you with us. Yeah, of course. Anytime. All right. And we will talk to you all again real soon. The Disney Conversations podcast is proudly sponsored by Magical Matthew Travel. Look them up today on Facebook at Magical underscore Matthew Travel, a proud affiliate of the Travel Quest Network. Thank you again for listening to Disney Conversations. Are you wanting to be a part of things here? Great, we'd love to have you come aboard. Join our Facebook community by searching for Disney Conversations Podcast and get into the conversation. Next week, I have a very special episode planned with a very special friend. So I hope that you will tune in and listen. Until then, my friends, have a magical week. TTFN. <laughs>